Hello and welcome to the Virtual Frontier, the podcast about virtual teams created by Virtual Team. Disclaimer, all of our interviews are conducted virtually. I'm Daniel, your host, and I'm part of the team here to Virtual Frontier. Today's topic of our Q&A session is how to manage global virtual teams. We're going to find out what are the benefits working with virtual teams, what you need to get right in the first place, so working with distributed teams over the globe will turn out beneficial for everyone, and why a command and control management structure is doomed to fail, especially in the remote environment. If you like the show, subscribe on YouTube, Revit on Radio Public, follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, Google Podcasts, or any other platform you use to enjoy podcasts. You can also engage with our community on Discord. All the links you can find below in the description. So, without further ado, let's dive into the fifth CNO Q&A session at the Virtual Frontier. Enjoy the conversation. Yeah, hello Manuel. Uh, welcome to a new session here at the Virtual Frontier, our next Q&A session. Um, today I want to talk a little bit with you about the topic um, how to manage virtual teams or teams in, in general and uh, get some insights from you. How um, is your experience over, uh, with that over the last couple of years, what, what you have learned and, and probably what we can give for our community that is listening to us. Um, so my first question for today, um, why should I work with uh, global virtual teams in the first place? I have uh, difficulties to manage my on-site teams and control them there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a broad question, that, but that's a good one, yeah. So the other question is, why do you want to limit yourself with your own office to find talent just around 100 kilometers around your office, right? That's what happens when you just focus on local work environment. So I think the big opportunity is that when you work globally and virtually and digitally and remotely, the whole world can become your talent pool. That is one of the biggest opportunities. You are not just limiting yourself with a radius of 100 kilometers around your office. And I mean, as the environment becomes more technology driven, more complex, change happens faster at increasing speed. I think businesses and organizations in general need more flexibility, more flexibility in access to skills, more flexibility in access to work capacity, more flexibility also in their cost structure when like there is a lockdown revenues go down by 30 to 60 percent you need to act somehow so this flexibility i think is a huge demand of our economy and most businesses lack this flexibility now corona has shown us all that remote work is possible even as most businesses believed before the lockdown that it's not possible or let me reframe it they had a story telling themselves why it doesn't work for them Okay, they see others, they work remotely, it worked, but they have a story why it doesn't work for them. Now they see the story was wrong and somehow it works. And I'm sure there are many other opportunities that you could take advantage of when you experience that things you always believe don't work, they work. You just have to do it. And accessing global talent is, I mean, talent is the number one growth driver of, uh, driver of organizations, of growth. Now, if you have your entire world being the, the talent pool, I think that is that is the biggest opportunity of remote work at all. And if you don't take advantage of this, others will do. If you go back to your office and still believe we have to be in an office because work can only be done when we are constant in communication and all at the same place and we need a water cooler in order to solve difficult problems like magic accidentally, 
I think then your business is really at risk. Gotcha. And okay, let's assume I, I, I have taken the first step and um, I'm thinking about uh, getting maybe onboarding uh, some kind of virtual teams uh, that will work with me or virtual talents. Um, what, what need I take care of in, in the first place when, when I think about this step? Mm -hmm. I would say the most important difference between virtual teams or remote teams and remote leadership leadership compared to working in a local environment in an office is that you need to so most people would say you need to have more trust in your teams but i find that very abstract what does that mean should i just sit silent at my desk and like pray and hope that everyone will do his or her work which typically won't happen if people are used to getting work done only when they have a lot of other people around them where they can constantly ask questions, interrupt and disturb other people and depend on this constant communication and the environment that brings other people around them. So I would suggest to shifting your thoughts from leading by availability to leading by results. And what that means is, it's, I mean, that's definitely not an easy shift, but we all started because When we started working remotely, we experienced that when our team is not around us, we feel a lack of control. And that's exactly because you are used to do mm. management by walking around. You feel that you have control when people are around you. And you believe that you get the results when you have control over people. Now, when they are not around you anymore, then you fear that things don't work anymore because you don't have the control over people. So the first step to leading by results <laughs> that might sound so simple, but I had um, I had a workshop with a big corporation two weeks ago with 120 managers. And they had one simple exercise, which was they should complete the sentence, which is, the business needs my team so that. And then they should complete the sentence, my team needs me so that. And then they should discuss it about how... Mm -hmm if they agree from the outside perspective, and it was so hard for them to complete the sentence. And it got even harder, they should complete the sentence to measure if my results are good and if I'm on track, I measure this and that KPIs. They had no idea. They had no idea what the results of their work and the results of their teams are and how the results of individuals contribute to the results of the team and how the team contributes to the result of the business. In other words, the entire alignment was missing in the thought process. People knew they have to do some work, but they don't know why. And this why doesn't mean doesn't need to be something very abstract and world-changing. If you don't know, I mean, if you don't know the purpose of the business, it's hard to find the purpose of the team. It's hard to find the purpose of an individual. But you don't need to find, you don't need to spend workshops, hours, days, years in workshops to find your why or your purpose. The purpose of a business is simple. It's to solve problems for clients. So what that means is now you need to understand the problems of your clients, of course. But once you found them, then you can align everything in your organization so that these problems get solved efficiently and effectively. And once that is clear, The entire organization should lead conversations and build a leadership system only around bringing this value to clients. 
And then the purpose becomes a lot more clear for people. And when the only thing that matters is results and people, but not managing people, I mean supporting people so they grow and deliver the results, then the whole thing changes. Then you don't need to control people, what they do, when they do it. You don't need micromanagement. You just monitor the results and support people. Then you can work without presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I have noted clarity, clear roles, and alignment. This is like uh, like some basic factors that you need to in a, to take into account. If, when I have those um, uh, different aspects more clearly, and I I reach out right now or I start looking for for talent, what is important while I'm looking for talent, or how to look for new talents or teams maybe in general um, that work with me in a virtual environment. Yeah, so when we start again from the perspective of alignment, I would recommend to first create a blueprint of your team, meaning define your roles. And mm. once you have your roles defined, start with a purpose. Why do we need this role? Okay, completing the sentence, the team needs this role in order to, or so that. Once you've found the purpose of the team and the purpose of individuals, then define the skills that this person needs to bring and KPI so that the person itself can see how well they are doing. For example, you, Daniel, you have the KPI of how many downloads for the podcast did we get per episode and that over the month and over the year. That is one important KPI. Next important KPI is how many leads did you get with this podcast, right? And we have the same kind of KPIs across the organization for other people so that people don't depend on managers telling them if they are doing a good job or not, but they can see it. And then, of course, I expect people that they ask for help and support in case they see they stuck or are not aligned with the progress they should have. Um, yeah, I found that that is very important that you have this definition of what means success. What does success mean for a person working in a role? Once you have these roles defined, that becomes your team blueprint. You can hire people that fit into this role. I would say offer this role to as many people as possible and see it's like marketing, right? It's like winning clients that see a value in your offer. And that's why they give you money. If you have great talent, they have so many job opportunities. Give them a reason why they should work with you. Okay. And that all starts with clarity. High performance want to know when are they successful in the business? Okay. They, they will ask you the questions. What do you expect from me? And how should that look like? How they want to know how they can use their skills in the best possible way. If you are able to answer this question, you become attractive for people that want to deliver performance. And when you see that people apply to this job and they ask you questions, you see they really want it. Okay, because if you just have people that don't ask you questions, but ask you, okay, what do you want me to do? They are just there and do something when you tell them what they should do. That means they depend on you. And the more of these people you have, the higher your workload will be because without you, nothing gets done. So you want to have these self-drivers. And I see that when a person asks questions, that is one first step to a person that really wants to take accountability for results. That's how. <laughs> yeah, we all... Yeah. Yeah, they were all, all already getting into the phase of, of maybe the onboarding process. And I would like to ask a little bit more about that. How, how can I make sure that this um, onboarding process uh, that is really crucial is a great experience for the talent and also for, for the company and what, mm -hmm. what is made might need on the, on the way on, uh, to get there? 
yeah we we changed a lot with that in the recent days and, or, or month and so i would say the purpose of onboarding is to get this person productive at fast and help the person understand the rules of the organization help the person understand how he or she should um, contribute to the results of the team with whom they work together how they work what what is the behavior i want from this person one example is uh, example behavior is do what you say that is so easy but a lot of people struggle with that they say the one thing do another thing okay when i mean do what you say you commit to something and then you do it and if you can't do it you ask for support or inform somebody that you can't do it and offer an alternative okay that is one very important rule to develop trust and reliability in teams so to make this part of the onboarding what we started to do is to create video onboardings because it took a lot of time and availability of people like helping new other people come into the organization and very often it was not really effective because it was just meetings and people were talking about something but nobody had a structured way of onboarding people now if you have i mean we all work virtual and digital right now so we have like online courses for onboarding these are video trainings with small tests and assessments a person goes through this onboarding and there is a person that is the mentor of this onboarded person that he or she can always ask questions to but the the video training provides the structure the roadmap the outline the steps the person needs to reach in order to get all the information and maybe also the competencies during the onboarding to work successfully in the organization now that only works when you have the clarity which role you want what are the results and what does this person need to know to get onboarded most organizations do an onboarding like okay you have a mentor you shadow another person for three months and then you might learn the right things if this mentor does things that you should do but typically that's just like onboarding per accident it might work it might not work it might take a month it might take three months yeah that's not reliable but having a structured onboarding with video content and a mentor that uh, answers questions and helps that's the uh, from my experience a very effective and efficient onboarding and that provides a great experience for people that want to join the organization because they can do it when they want so leading by results empowers people to be free and independent and having an onboarding that works exactly like this where you can walk yourself along this onboarding ladder or roadmap you can do it when you want independently from others and you always have a person that supports you in case you need support and then as an organization you also see those people that simply don't want the success because they might watch the videos but or not but uh, they they might watch until the end but still don't get it and they don't even ask for results so the end of a video onboarding should always be a presentation of the person that got onboarded to the mentor so that the mentor can give feedback and double check if those um, skills were acquired during the onboarding and if those information became real knowledge for the onboarded person that is required to do the job well and these people that really passed this final test and presented well and asked on the during the onboarding they are self-drivers they really want it and these are the kind of people i want to work with and where result-driven leadership is a great fit
Now, um, <clears throat> in some cases, um, there are um, hybrid teams where you might have an on-site office team and the company um, thinks about to expand their, their uh, global talent and work with virtual teams. How can I make sure as a company and then maybe also in the, in the on the team level that um, those teams are working well together and um, are integrated fully in, um, mm -hmm. and there are no differences and um, you, you can really focus on, on the work that has to be done. Mm -hmm. um, have, do you have any insights or, or experience with that? Yeah, the biggest risk that I saw in the past is that you develop a culture, a hybrid culture, which is we and they. Okay, the biggest mm. problem that you see, which becomes a real risk, is when you listen to conversation and it's about we and them. Because then you have mm. two different people, two different classes of employees or team members, and you know what happens when there is a problem. It's always they from both sides and the problem won't get solved because it's just people pointing with, uh, yeah, on each other and nobody cares about solving the problem. So that is one important thing with hybrid cultures. I'm totally okay to have some people in the office and other people remotely, but they should all commit to the same rules and apply the same behavior. Uh, it cannot be that what, what we had in the past, for example, our remote team members, they had to use our tools. They had to do time tracking. They had to add tasks, leave comments, update the tasks, right? They had to communicate in a structured way and regularly. While those people in the office didn't do this as they were in constant communication with each other, so they didn't see why they should do it. And that leads to a problem because then you develop two types of teams that don't really work together um, as, as good as and connected as they should. Now, how can you foster this as an organization? Don't tolerate it. Don't tolerate language, we and they. Don't tolerate that one group works according to a specific standard and another group doesn't. Okay, really make sure you have an aligned culture that all have the same habits and don't tolerate other behavior. I think that this, that's the only way to go. And I, I could see in the, in the, in the since I, I um, started to, um, to work uh, with FlashUp and also in Bright Solutions that that we did, really did a great job in in the in the first uh, couple of months. I felt uh, still this was like their day and we uh, and mm -hmm. we really dissolved it over the last couple of years. And now um, we can take full advantage of that because there is no such separation anymore. And exactly. um, this is really helpful. Yeah, that's what yeah. I. That's why I said that because I realized that in the very beginning we had exactly these problems. Now we don't have an office anymore, so maybe that led to this this <laughs> issue. But it's also that yeah, everyone in the team is aware of the fact that we are a team, and it's not the internals and the externals or wordings like we outsource to freelancers. Nobody says that in our organization because that's not our understanding. We are a mm. team. It doesn't matter about the contract if you are an employee or yes. freelancer. You work with us, you have to reach your goals, you are part of the team, you get support. It doesn't matter which contract you have. Yeah. When we talk about managing teams and particular virtual teams, what, what leadership style is, is favorite to form like a really a high performance team and uh, that will bring value to um, my project or my company? 
Yeah, what I said, I I think it's it's leading by leading by results and a culture of clarity, mm. uh, a culture of facts versus opinions. Okay, a culture where where output and results and outcomes matter, not just opinions that are based on subjective beliefs, etc. Right? That's what typically happens when you have a manager judging employees about their performance. And I mean, there are so often just abstract words that nobody can really use to implement actional behaviors for improvement. For example, we had that, I, I mean, I also see that when I work with, with our team, sometimes when people give each other feedback, which is like, Daniel, you need to be more committed. What do you do with that? You feel blamed. You have no yeah. idea what I want from you. Yeah, you probably. think I feel I am committed. What do you want from me, right? Maybe you see, you say yes, and I think okay. If Daniel says yes, now he has to be more committed. But you won't change your behavior because you have no idea what I want from you. So really, going down from a thirty thousand feet perspective to the ground and make feedback actionable, so that other people can really understand what you want from them, how how you want the person to change the behavior in order to get the result because results are just produced by behavior okay if we just sit there don't do anything no results are produced if we are just busy doing something that might not be that we create results we need to do the right things right and that's driven by behavior and i think that a big part of a culture that fosters high performance is giving effective feedback providing clarity and not just clarity about results, but also clarity about feedback. What, what I want from you, how I want you to change. When I, for example, say, Daniel, I want you to be more committed. That's not actionable. But when I say, Daniel, I want, whenever you commit to something, I want you to deliver this, how you committed it. And if you don't do, please inform me a day ahead and provide me with an alternative. Do you now know what I want from you? Much much more clear, right? You know much what just, I want from you. Much, yeah, much more clear. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I think makes a culture of high performance. No, um, taking the culture to intercultural, um, I, I would like to ask you something else. Um, when working with global teams, um, you you have like this intercultural um, aspects come into play. Um, What could go possibly wrong when you take uh, this step and um, how you can possibly avoid that uh, when you work in an international setting with people from around the globe? Yeah, there, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot that can go wrong with misunderstandings, but there's also a lot you can get right and improve, which you can't when you just limit yourself with a local local talent pool. Um, most common thing that everyone might know is that in different cultures, people don't say, don't say no. They always say yes, because they feel otherwise they hurt somebody's personality, feelings, whatever. And of course that leads to unmet expectations, because if we have a culture where we want people to stick to what they said yes to and to do what they said, and somebody says yes to everything because he or she's afraid of saying no. That's a mismatch. This won't work. The interface is broken. Communication doesn't work. Now you have two choices. Mm. Either you are wondering yourself why that happens. You blame the person, tell the person you are not good, abstract feedback, 
or you tell the person that it's really part of our culture to say no when you feel you can't do this please do that and it's only fair if you see that like three times in a row you don't get that changed behavior then stop working together i mean you 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 still need to make a cut on a human level telling them that it's not about them that you just feel that this cultural fit is not given and that prevents us from being successful with each other so the opportunity is that this person can find another culture or not a company with a culture that is a better fit and we can also find another person now when you have alternatives to find people fast because you made the entire world your talent pool then it's not a big deal if somebody leaves because both people have alternatives when you're just limited by 100 kilometers around the office and somebody leaves and it takes you like three to six months to find a replacement, of course, that's a bad thing because it takes so much time. You feel left alone. You have no idea how to compensate for this lack of skills. And even worse, in most businesses that I use to work locally, when people leave, the knowledge leaves because nothing is persistent digitally in the leadership system. But if you're working digitally, everything is um, is persistent, like in processes, in videos, in workflows. Then you can onboard people fast and the knowledge stays in the organization when somebody leaves. I think that is a big, big opportunity. And you need to find people when it comes down to the culture that value this. There might be people when they should create a video where they put their knowledge on a video, they might say no because they fear that they get replaced. Right, that's typically what happens when I talk to corporations and I, I recommend to making knowledge persistent. They see a resistance from their team because they feel that when they give all their knowledge into the system, they are not needed anymore. But that's not true. We need people for not for their knowledge. Knowledge is everywhere. If I need knowledge, I go to Google, enter a question, get the result. It's not about knowledge. It's about applying skills based on knowledge to make intelligent decisions for complex problems solving problems is the skill we are looking for not just bringing knowledge to an organization and that's why i think contributing knowledge that is then persistent in organization is no risk for everyone right this brings me also uh, already to my next question um why is the command co and control structure in any team setting, but especially within like virtual teams and remote working teams, um, doomed to fail. Yeah, because it's too complex. I mean, if you really believe that you can decide for other people in a complex environment that changes very fast, you're just playing God. And I mean, then you make in the, you make look if you if you have people on the front line working with technology with teams with clients and you see a problem from the outside and you make a recommendation how they should fix it i mean you can't you can't honestly think that you have all the information your team has and still if you make a decision you make a non-informed decision so it's simply not possible in a complex environment where people where we need intelligence not labor right if we need intelligence to solve problems and work towards outcomes towards results then it's those people that have all the information and the intelligence to make decisions not me as a manager because i don't know all these things that might have worked when we had like 
organizations where you employ people for labor that doing the same things repetitive with their body, like in a factory. Okay, you can simply see is this person productive or not because it's always the same movement this person has to do, like put the hammer on a nail 150 times an hour. You can see, okay, it's working. But today when we are working all digitally, you cannot look into the head of people and you don't have all the information to make an informed decision. That's why I think this command um, and follow or this, this hierarchical organization, it's, it's not possible anymore. And it will really get worse in the future because things become yep. more complex. Change happens at ever increasing speed. As the as the borders between, and we talk already about it, about uh, when we um, started the, the conversation with this hybrid uh, team settings. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, as borders between like formal employee uh, employment, project workers, um, and gig jobs are are getting more and more blurred. How can we as a company be more attractive for new talents? And uh, what does it take to retain those talents that are already working with me in my organization? Mm -hmm. I would say it's all about aligned interests. So if you, I mean, that's the whole idea of new work that people have jobs they really like to do. In most cases, that is not true because if people go to an organization, especially in their employer contract, what is written is you give me eight hours and I give you that amount of salary. So they spend or they, they, they give the time and get money. So you pay your lifetime for some money. And, um, I think that that when 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 that's the that's the fundamental basis for how we define work time for money i think it's a it's a toxic culture because employees currently they good employees with high skills and good experience they have so many other opportunities to to get jobs now the question is why they should be with you and i think what they value more and that's why there is such an increasing um, trend for the gig economy and freelancer economy is people because people they want to be free people want to be free and independent they want to do something meaningful not just spend eight hours on a computer doing what the boss tells them and if you manage to provide <clears throat> sorry an organization with a culture where people know their why that's the exercise we did in the beginning so they know why they are required and needed in the team they can see how well they are doing not just depend on the on the subjective opinion of a boss or a manager. If they can work where they want, with whom they want, where they want, and at which time they want, I think that's the interest of, of many of many people. And this interest increased when they experience remote work. If an organization can align with these interests, then be, you become attractive for great talent. That's why I think in the future, Organizations need to become more like platforms. Platforms where they have offers that satisfy the need and solve problems for clients. That's why they buy from you. And on the other side, you have offers for talent, which are the job roles. So they spend their time with you and not with somebody else. Of course, you pay them. That's not the limitation that they get paid. They get paid at countless organizations. The question is, how can you pay them and they want to stay with you? And the magic key is to align their interests. 
Now, if you have an organization where you, you have three interests, interests of your clients, interests of the organizations and the organization itself and uh, shareholders, and interests of talent, when the organization is able to align all these interests to contribute towards one specific why, which is solving problems for clients effectively, and providing talent the freedom and independence they want, I think that is the future of an organization. Right. Wanted to round this session up for today and make it for our listeners a little bit more tangible. What what we have experienced over the last couple of years. I I was asking you upfront um, if you might have a little success story or ex uh, recent experience um, in working with uh, one of your uh, virtual teams you 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 actually are in, um, and um, what make this um, situation or um, experience uh, something special. So I can tell from an experience I have with one of the clients of FlashUp. They are an organization with around 40 employees and um, people were just doing things they were asked to do. Either clients asked them to do things or the managers asked them to do things. And the management saw that this that there is an increase of workload and stress for the management, but also for the frontline employees. And they saw that the efficiency in the organization went down especially during the lockdown when they had to work remotely. Now, what I asked them to do is to really, what I said in the beginning, to write down their, their roles, to write down their main results they should create, basically their output. And it was so hard for them. That started a process where everyone really thought about, okay, why are we here? What we are doing? Okay, what are we doing for our clients? Why do our clients need us? And what do we need to deliver to do so that clients get the results they want? And what can our managers do to support these people that bring the value to clients instead of directing people to do what the managers want? Now, that was a complete mind shift, especially when it comes to, okay, the purpose of the organization is to solve problems for clients and not to make money. Money is the result. Okay, It's the result of how often you solve these problems and how you efficient you do that. Now, once they continued with this thought pattern and with this process, they realized that all of a sudden, the managers didn't tell their people what to do because the team came up with solutions for improvements. Once they understood why the business needs to exist, what it does for the clients, and how every team and how every employee or team member contributes to that result. So they came up with a solution and that released the entire stress and the high workload and often frustrations and disappointment because they got alignment. They understood why they are here and they had great people that were really intelligent and still they had managers telling them what to do. So now they turned that around. And that led to a relief of, of many people, to higher performance, to a better team culture, to more independence, a meaningful working, I would say. That was, that was great to see. I mean, I still work with these guys, but yeah, it's really great to see how, how that really changes the culture of, on, of an organization in just, it's not even six months. It's since February, three months. Oh, great. And I, I think especially for the people working there, um, there's, um, such a difference, right? Uh, if you come in the morning in the office or you log in uh, when starting working uh, in, on your desk um, when, when you have this different attitude and alignment in the teams. Mm. Sure, some will leave. 
you know, whenever you change the culture, some people leave. That was always the case. That will always be the case because if the culture change, those people that said yes to the culture when they joined the organization will now find a different culture and the different organization, right? And that's not what they sign up for. Mm. So also when we made this transformation from top level down, uh, top down, top down management, yes, <laughs> from top down management to self-driven and self-managing teams, some people left because they want to get told what they should do and not just want to see the goal and know the why and then find out what they should do in order to reach these results. They want, they, they want the manager that tells them what to do because then they can always say, I was told so, it's not my fault. So, yeah, you need to know that. <laughs> Great. Manuel, thank you very much for your time today. I think we covered some interesting perspectives on how to lead uh, virtual teams and teams in general in a, rem a remote environment. And I uh, would say we see each other next week again for yeah. our next session. Looking forward. Thank you, Daniel. Take care. This was a very interesting conversation that also covered some questions about how the future of work could look like and how we can prepare for it. Working with talents around the globe in a virtual environment can be really liberating and a boost for any organization when the setting is done in a structured and thoughtful way. If you want to learn more about how to scale with your business at any time, working with global top talents and make work better, visit fleshup.io slash start to get free access to the Virtual Business Builder Training. Learn this free training how you can build, grow and scale your business with virtual teams and global freelancers. You can subscribe to The Virtual Frontier on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever podcasts can be found. And while you're there, you can leave us a review. On behalf of the team here at The Virtual Frontier, I want to thank you for listening. So until next episode, keep exploring new frontiers. <laughs>